Broadcasting live from the Business Radio X studios in Phoenix, Arizona, it's time for Phoenix Business Radio, spotlighting the city's best businesses and the people who lead them. Hello and welcome to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting live from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center right here in Tempe, Arizona, where we help build businesses and connect you with the right people. And I feel very fortunate today to be sitting across from Mark Sutter. He is the founder of Impact Sales Advisors. Welcome to the studio. Thanks for having me. You are the right person to introduce people to today. Oh, perfect. Yes. Uh, So we, before we came on live, we were kind of reconnecting and trying to remember how we met. It was at an Accelerant breakfast, and we have Scott to thank for our separate invitations. And um, and here we are. I think it was before the holiday, probably October, September. That's right. It was still warm. Yes, yes. And always fun to meet professionals out and about. And this was a big breakfast, so I don't know how our paths crossed, but really happy that they did. And, and very fascinated to learn a little bit more about impact sales and your background. So if you'll take a few minutes to introduce yourself, wh- who is and what is impact sales? And then I would love to have the backstory, too, about how did you land here? Oh, terrific. Well, thanks again for having me. So Impact Sales Advisors, I'm a, um, I basically assist leaders at small and mid-sized businesses who want to scale or improve their sales performance. Oftentimes they're frustrated, they don't know where to turn, they may not have the sales expertise or the, um, the resources internally to do that. So I come on on a part-time basis or as a fractional outsource basis and either fix the sales infrastructure for the company and oftentimes I'll stay on and lead the sales organization on a part-time basis. So that's essentially what I do. So how does someone like yourself land with that kind of a role for so many different businesses? Yeah, it's interesting. I've always wanted to be um, give back to small and mid-sized businesses after having spent about 30 years of corporate large company roles. And so I moved to Arizona a couple of years ago with that intent in mind to really want to have an impact on people in my community, people in my network. Um, I sort of fed the large corporate beast for a long time. And it felt less meaningful as I got older. So I really wanted to hopefully do business with people that I knew, again, people that I would potentially do business with uh, in sort of the region community that I lived in. And so, and I really just want to leverage all the experience that I've learned over the years, not just what I had done, but things that I'd researched and learned uh, sort of on my own as well. And I wanted just to diversify sort of the people that I met as well. So oftentimes when you work in the corporate world, it's really just that customer base and the people that are sort of just near you. But I wanted to explore a little bit more um, the diversity of the the different businesses out there. There's also a tremendous market need for small and mid-sized businesses that just don't have the expertise in-house. Small to medium-sized businesses. So how would you um, define that for our listeners? Yeah, so most small businesses probably in the million or two million revenue range on up to 50, 60, even 100 million in, in revenue. Typically on the small side, one or two salespeople are thinking about hiring the first salesperson, oftentimes founder-led. The large organizations have, you know, a large handful of salespeople, maybe a sales leader or two. And so that what's interesting is the challenges are oftentimes different for the small guys as it is for the big guys. And the ball is always moving, right? Things continue to innovate on the customer side, things to continue to innovate with the technology that people are using. And so sales continues to change. And so it's really fun to stay on top of it and try to help people with new, I would call modern ways of selling. So it's been fun. Mm-hmm. And is sales your background? You mentioned your corporate life. Has it been always in sales? Tell us a little bit about. Yeah, it's a great question. Time. So I, I went to school extra because I didn't know what I wanted to do. So extra. I got, <laughs> got, a, got an MBA and uh, sort of fell into the wireless industry. And so uh-huh. 
started basically door-to-door sales and uh, then retail sales and then found my way into corporate sales. And so always as a sales professional and then a sales leader and then a head of sales for companies like Gardner Group, Russell Investments, uh, Dun & Bradstreet, sort of large enterprise um, sales organizations. And so, yeah, it's interesting. I'm sort of an introvert. Never thought I'd be a a salesperson, but I I like talking to people. I like solving problems and I'm very curious about how to fix things for people. So that part of it resonated well with me. I I was just thinking as you're chatting, you've got this really chill vibe about you and it's a very humble and kind approach, right? Um, I don't always feel that way about sales professionals. Uh, so how interesting you mentioned that you're an introvert because I, I wouldn't have guessed that. And yet there's just this nice comfort piece to who you are. So yeah, oh. anyway, little observation uh, and great background. And and who better <laughs> to help people with their sales? Somebody who's made it really their life's journey to study business and to be involved in business in so many aspects, especially back in the early days, the door to door. I hand it to people who go and do that. That takes some yeah. Some, bar- some great courage. That's the word I'm looking for. Yeah, it was frightening at times when I first started, but yeah. it got you out of your comfort zone. And then, but on the business side, it became more interesting just to have one on one conversations with people. So that part of it was pretty easy for me to, but uh, yeah, I didn't like uh, knocking on doors, but a good experience. And you did it. I did it. Yes. My son uh, has been in solar sales and he's done mm-hmm. some of that. Uh, and I just really hats off to the people who, again, can just go in and just show up as themselves, really proud of the product or the services they provide. And not get caught up in the rejection, because I know at that end of things, it, there's a lot. There can be a lot, that's yeah. for sure. Yeah. And where did you get your MBA? Willamette University in Oregon. Okay. Yeah, I'm an Oregon Duck grad. Go Ducks, first of all. But and yeah. that where, is that where you grew up? Yes. I grew up in uh, Oregon, uh, yeah, from age six or seven on, on up until my uh, graduate from university and, and grad school. Great place to grow up, great place to raise kids, but yeah. decided to relocate to get some sun about two years ago. It's bad. I was just going to ask again. I know you mentioned that two years. And why Arizona? What made you choose Arizona besides the sun? <laughs> yeah, we vacationed down here for years. I really liked the weather. Um, my wife's a big tennis player. I like to golf, like to hike. And so it was really the outdoors that got us here and always loved the people here as well, even though we were mostly here as tourists. And so just long term, I just thought that was a good mix of activities that we like to do. So I did a lot of research. I'm sort of a research person and I met a lot of people um, that, that helped me sort of on the journey as I talked to them about places to live and pros and cons and so forth. And so I'm a little bit of a methodical, deliberate decision maker as it comes to big decisions like that. And it's been great. Two years, couldn't be happier. It's a very healthy place to live and very energizing to meet really great people, both in the in our neighborhood, but also the business community, very welcoming. A lot of people that want to help each other and grow the grow the Arizona business community. So it's been terrific. I love hearing that. I feel much the same way. I've owned and operated Business Radio X Phoenix uh, studio for just a little over five years now, coming up on six in March. And when I first opened the studio, we would have people from all different uh, verticals and industries come and talk about the Phoenix business community. And even as recent as six years ago, people were like, well, you know, we're friendly, but we really couldn't land on who we are as a business community more and more consistently. I not only hear that we're friendly, we're willing to help each other make those introductions, and we are a force to to be reckoned with, both in tech and medical and health and everything in between, right? It's really been fun. So to have someone so new to Arizona echo that back feels really solid. It's really been amazing. I've met hundreds of people, honestly, and everybody's been super friendly and helpful. And that just gets you energized to help people as well. So it's been fun to connect people that I've met with new people 
or people that have been here a long time, but maybe haven't met some of the new people that are in town. And there's all kinds of great avenues like this, but also great um, events and business associations and so forth. And I do think there's a strong vibe of people helping people and not necessarily transactionally, just they want to help people be successful, which is great. So I love that. Trusting it's going to come maybe not directly from that person, but somewhere because we're a force for good. That's right. Love it. So uh, it's been two years. Let's talk a little bit about the transition in sales. Maybe that's not the right word, but you alluded to a little bit that that there's, I don't know if these were your words, but a new way of, of selling. Talk a little bit about how sales has changed or developed from what you've seen and how you coach and guide people and show up for them? And has COVID and that part of our lives had any impact on that? Yeah, that's a lot there to unpack yeah, for sure. Yeah, sorry. Take no, your time. We've got all, ta- all the time great, to It's a great question because uh, sales has changed a lot, mostly because the buyers have changed. If you think about the access to technology the last 10 or 15 years, but particularly the last two or three years, buyers have a lot more information at their fingertips, right? So they do a lot of research on their own. And so it's really thinking about not so so much your sales process, but what the buyer process is and trying to understand where the buyer is in their journey in terms of what they're purchasing. Mm -hmm. And it really doesn't mean matter if they're buying a consumer product or even on the B2B. There are certain steps that people do as a buyer. They do some research, they look at different solutions, they might um, fine tune the requirements based on what they're learning. And sales today is a lot more about helping people through that journey versus in the old days, the way they got that information was sitting across the table from you and you sort of telling you telling them about your speeds and feeds and your features of your product. Nowadays, buyers have all this information, again, online typically. And so they call it the buyer journey, really. It's one way to think about it. It's all done online, largely. What's important about sales is that they still want somebody to help them along that journey at various steps. And you have to be very relevant. So you need a little bit of wisdom. You need to do some research on who you're talking to and what their journey is about in order to be relevant at the right place at the right time. I think one example could be is that if somebody is getting smart and trying to get educated about a potential purchase, they're in the stage of just being educated. So how can you help them? And in some cases, that's maybe an ebook on your website or some information about the marketplace in a broad level. Later on, as they get more specific about what they're looking for, they might be looking at different solutions different requirements. They might be looking at specific vendors. And so things like a case study, for example, that calls out the specific use cases that might be relevant to that potential buyer, things that you can do. And then having conversations and messaging that mirrors that as a person, but also digitally is really important. And so that technology adoption that sort of finds its way into businesses, that finds its way into sort of the sales process and the buying process is something that will continue to change a lot over the next couple of years with AI in particular and other Mm. technology. And so it's really important, I think, for sales leaders and small businesses and consumers to really be sort of aware of what's happening and then sort of leverage sort of the right mix of technology and sort of sales tactics and and their sales organization resources to be smart about how they spend their time and what they do. It's very complex and it's not easy to to always follow and do and, and it can be overwhelming to a small business owner. And a lot of people oftentimes just, you know, I'll buy all kinds of technology and then it's not deployed and they just sort of use it half-heartedly and then they get a little bit confused on what their results need to be. And so it's a difficult journey for people to sort of sort out the technology part of it as well as what's happening on the consumer side. So there's a lot to, to unpack and um, it's sort of fun to try to figure that out for a particular business on a case-by-case basis. What I love hearing about what you're saying is the, the, uh, the 
Um, idea around branding and marketing is showing up for me, of course, as you're talking about some of these techniques and digital pieces of collateral that you encourage people to, you know, have available so they can start that relationship uh, online. I don't know that I've ever had a salesperson who we've interviewed, and we've interviewed plenty, come in and and talk about how branding and marketing is really part of the sales strategy. Of course it is, duh. Right. <laughs> but at the same time, that's typically a conversation that's reserved that comes somebody comes on and is talking about branding and marketing. So I really appreciate that because the relationship starts well before, especially these days, someone lands in front of us. Is that right? That's right. And I've, I worked at even large companies that oftentimes marketing and sales were still siloed quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And so the key today is really how do you understand where the buyer is in their process, right? And what they're doing. So it's a, a little bit of a discovery more so than the past versus, I would say, qualification. And then how do you get the marketing organization and the sales organization on the same page? And so revisiting things like your ideal customer profile, being very specific about what that looks like. So have an agreement with marketing and sales, what that might be. Same thing with your value proposition, Mm -hmm. those type of things, those tools that um, people are largely aware of that need to be very crisp. And those continue to change. And I would say also, as you sort of get into the the individual opportunities, your unique selling proposition, right? What makes you unique from a marketing sales messaging perspective from your company that really resonates with the buyer and the customer in terms of where they're at and what their challenges are what they would do with your product or solution, sort of building back from the buyer at the beginning of the go-to-market strategy is really key. And it's not easy to do, right? So super fun, super challenging, super complex. It's a fun challenge to work on. And all of that you've just shared is the foundation so so that a sales representative or a sales team can go out and clearly articulate Mm -hmm. what the value is (laughs) and and further build or begin to build those relationships. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think um, buyers want... Um, like anybody else, they want trust and credibility. And the way you do that is by just being relevant to the person where they're at. So if you try to fast forward the sales process and try to pitch too much, it gets annoying, right? Imagine, I mean, how many of us have got LinkedIn messages recently about owning a franchise or something that's sort of totally off off the ball, right? Or, hey, I reviewed your website and here's all the things wrong with it. Right, right. (laughs) Or your LinkedIn profile. Here's all the things. That never feels like a very good introduction. Right. You may be right. That's right. However, let's start somewhere before you go and tell me all the things I'm doing wrong. (laughs) That's right. So, yeah, those organizations, those people obviously haven't done a great job of providing the right value and they haven't done the research and they don't know enough about me. And so it's uh, buyers today are really getting annoyed. There's, I saw a stat recently that there's been, I think, a 1,300% increase in the number of sales development rep hires in the last three wow. to five years. 1,300. So what, what's happened in the marketplace has been this massive scaling of sort of the worst things about marketing and sales, right? This massive outreach, which is available because of cheap technology and, you know, the barriers of entries are low. So buyers are getting really inundated with a lot of messaging and, it's not like the number of buyers have increased dramatically, right? So the sales outreach has really increased and it's sort of annoyed people. And I think you'll see a little bit of a retrenchment over the next couple of years of that as people get a little bit smarter about choosing the right sort of outreach with the right technology at the right time. And buyers are just tuning out. Research shows that um, I think 43% of, of buyers want a rep-free experience largely. They want to do it digitally as much as possible. B2B side, salespeople have maybe 5% of time in front of a customer as part of the whole sales process. And so it's really changed and it's going to probably twist and turn a little bit more going forward. 
so you just need to stay on top of it. Try to be smart about it. Yeah, so wise. Possible recession. Some say we're already there. Some say it's coming. How does that shift? Is is that going to shift? And and when you're working with your um, business owners, what is the encouragement there as it relates to sales? Yeah, I think you need to be very smart about the customer experience of your current customers in terms of retaining those folks and understanding um, why they bought in the first place and how to maintain that customer in all markets. But particularly when things are tough, people buy from people that they trust and respect. So how do you continue to build and maintain that trust and respect? It's about being relevant, delivering value, and things like that. And so but from a sales growth perspective, you'd have to be really, I think, specific because sales cycles will be longer. Um, they'll be more difficult. So I think renegotiating your sales ex- um, sales revenue expectations is fair, that it's going to be a slower slower role for most people. But doubling down on things of what you're good at. So again, going back to what is your specific value proposition to the marketplace that is really unique relative to the competition. Because people buy things um, from a not just an absolute perspective of what they're looking for, but it has to be relative to something else, right? Mm-hmm. So what do you, do you do that's really unique, that's different, that you can solve for me, that really does address not just something that is valued to me, but maybe also um, help me helps me avoid risk. So I think looking at, looking at things from a value and a risk perspective in terms of your value prop is really key. And then tying it back to business outcomes. So what does your product or solution do that will help that person in their role or for their team or for their company, um, execute what they need to do. I think on top of that, companies really need to, from a sales perspective, need to focus on the top two or three things that their customers are trying to do mm-hmm. and make sure that their value proposition aligns to those one or two things. Companies don't have the um, ability in a down market to focus on things that are not a top two or three initiative, right? Maybe when things are great, you could go down the list and sell something that was a top nine or a top eight issue, but Nowadays, with the slow market, people are just trying to hang on and trying to be very specific about what they spend their time and money on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Where do you find that companies struggle with consistency? I have some ideas in my mind just from my, a very small business perspective, more of a boutique business or even the entrepreneur. I'm curious if it's the same with larger companies. Yeah, I think a lot of larger companies and even mid-sized companies over time, they're sales approach sort of just um, sort of just unfolds and happens. They might have been intentional at one point in time, but things change, but their, their approach doesn't change. So they sort of attract, if you're a boat, like attract barnacles on their boat in terms of some practices that aren't ideal. So revisiting some of the key facets of um, how you do things is key. So it's sort of like going in for a health check, right? How often do you do a health assessment? Most people put those things off. So the world continues to change very rapidly. We talked about buyers changing very rapidly in the last couple of years. How often have you updated your your sales process? And so um, the consistency falls because companies are not revisiting their their sales process and aligning the right, I call it the sales operating system, right? Which includes things like your sales strategy, your sales methodology, the type of sales resources that you use, the type of metrics and activities that you're using, those things change every year or every couple of years at the mm-hmm. latest. And so I think that the days of annual planning of, hey, we're going to create an annual sales plan are gone. You largely need to craft your sales operating system and your sales approach on a quarter by quarter basis. And I'm not saying you do wholesale changes, but you have you need to make consistent tweaks to it based on what's happening in the marketplace and the feedback that you're getting from your customers in the marketplace. 
the key is in strategy versus being reactionary. Yeah, I think you need to be intentional about all those things and, and, and really consistent. have consistent. Mm-hmm. So when I was thinking about the entrepreneurs and the boutique business owner uh, like myself, I get so busy going in one direction when business isn't right, right in front of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, hooray, here's where business is right here, so I'm going to stay focused here. And then no uh, you know, funnel or incoming, uh, that traction until I go, oh, wait, i got to now focus on this, which I think even from a, a larger company's perspective, having a fractional sales director would make a huge difference because that's where you're always having that focus and that intentionality on it beha- on behalf of the strategic plan and bring everybody back to, you know, new business. It's hard for small business owners and even mid-sized business owners that are wearing a lot of hats to be very intentional and focused on what they need to do. And sometimes they just need an outside perspective as well. Or they might have people in their organization that have done sales but haven't been really deep into the sales methodology or the sales philosophy and research of how to do things differently. Mm-hmm. And so it's hard to, hard to change when you don't know what to change, right? For specific vertical, specific industry. Is there a sweet spot for you? Yeah, thanks. No, I like to work with all types of companies, largely B2B, but can also be B2C services mm-hmm. as well. Um, anything that sort of needs a sales approach, sales process, uh, anything that has a salesperson or two is interesting. Uh, particularly on the sales management side, I think it's really interesting and fun because the the ability to impact, you know, one to six or seven or 10 salespeople is really impactful relative to just helping to one salesperson. And mm-hmm. so I'm very open to that. My background, again, is mostly B2B, but I started in B2C and in retail sales. So that's interesting to me as well. So yeah, no, no specific, um, mm-hmm. I guess, at a high level B2B and maybe technology is sort of my background. Great. And uh, Arizona specific, I would imagine you've got some liberty to make those decisions. Are you primarily focused on Arizona relationships or are you open to uh, outside of Arizona? Yeah, I'm open to anywhere outside of Arizona. I'm more intentional and focused on my relationships in Arizona and the Southwest. Mm-hmm. Um, but I will um, work anywhere based on, you know, if it's a good fit. Yeah. And it's interesting for, for my for myself as well as a, it's a good fit for the client as well. And can we talk about good fit? And, and you may not have the verbiage uh, for yeah. it, but, you know, um, we talked about any industry. Tech is your background. Oftentimes people say, I, I'm waiting. For, I, I know when I feel it. <laughs> is there something in the leadership team or the, the business owner themselves that you would go, yeah, this is somebody I would really like to, to help move forward in their, in their mission and their purpose. What is, is there a sweet spot for you when it comes to personality and really culture? Yeah, that's a great question. I want to work with people that are good people. Of course, it sounds obvious, but people that want to do good things in the community that have a cool product or service, I think, at a high level that really want to engage their employees so they treat their employees well. Um, a good fit beyond that is really that our companies and leadership that want to change right, that want to improve. I would say going forward, it's so competitive out there and the market's so tough that just improving is not enough. So I'm looking for people that, and I like to work with people that want to improve, or I guess you should say change the status quo, like they want to change the trajectory of their company um, because they're struggling. Um, but on that, the, the table stakes are just good people that treat their employees well, that are good stewards in the in the community and things like that. How easy is that for you to spot in, in uh, a handful of conversations as you guys are entertaining the idea of working together? I'd imagine fairly quickly. Yeah, fairly quickly. I think if I like talking to somebody and vice versa and we connect on things that are not just about business, but it's more about um, things that are outside business and what they do and, and how, they, um, how they interact with other people, I, I think it's we all have a gut feel about that. 
people that are maybe overly focused on just the, the financials with the commercial aspect of it, things like that become less interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but people that I've talked to some interesting companies that are really concerned about their employee base. So they want to grow sales and they, they look for my help. But the reason why they do it is because they're worried about having to lay off people. Especially right now. And things like that. So those are the people that you really want to help if you can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Any mentor or leadership figure in your life, either growing up or as a young man, that really stands out as somebody who helped shape you? Oh, that's a great question. I probably have to call my father like a lot of people do. My dad was a CXO consultant, a CEO of a Fortune 500 company for many years. And then he became a CXO consultant for many years. And so I always wanted uh, and admired how he helped other people at, at certain levels in the organization. And um, when I was growing up as an early sales leader, I leveraged some of his material to learn and read because I was always paranoid about being successful for myself. So besides my work experience, I just was always a learner and a researcher. And as I got older, you know, I definitely asked him questions about this and that in terms of managing people, leading organizations and so forth. And so he was a great sounding board for that. But I've learned from a lot of people. I feel like previous bosses that I had, at, particularly in the early days at Gartner Group, had some really what I call emotionally intelligent leaders. And so learning a craft, but learning how to work with other people, how to manage people, things like that were super helpful. So I've always tried to learn from a lot of different people. And I still do today. I'm a deep reader of books and things like that, just trying to stay on top of what's happening out there. But yeah, my dad's probably at the top of the list, along with my mom, probably. You know, they're kind of a, a dynamic duo in terms of Come as a pair. (laughs) Good values, trying to do the right thing. And um, so I learned a lot about business, but also about life with those two role models, I would say. love that. And and I know many people will obviously call out their parents. And there's equally as many or maybe even more that don't have that. That's right. And and I have been fortunate enough to find somebody who can really be a mentor and a guide for them. Yeah, love that. Uh, You're a reader. So what's on the nightstand? Or is there a favorite book that you've read recently that you would, would recommend to people? Yeah, a great book that I just read is called The Sales Innovation Paradox. It's by mm. Dr. Howard Dover. He's a researcher and uh, he leads a sales um, university class at the uh, University of Tal- Dallas at uh, University of Texas at Dallas. Mm-hmm. And he summarizes some of what I just talked about in terms of the the recent um, technology changes in sales and marketing, particularly the last 18 months or so, mm. and sort of the future of sales and how do we create better sales motions uh, and marketing motions that create a better experience for the customer. Um, so that's a book that I just finished. It's, I'd highly recommend because it's very relevant today. Yeah, so I'm still trying to stay on top of that stuff. It's really always interesting to learn from other folks. Yeah. Payostawa Peak, I just hiked with one of our Phoenix Business Radio clients. He, uh, his show is uh, Rooted and Wavering, Hilka Faber with uh, the Leadership Network. Mm. Did I say that correct? I think I did. <laughs> no, Girls Leaders Network. Uh, sorry, Hilka. <laughs> and uh, we had a three-hour Sunday hike mm. um, over and then around back to the parking lot for uh, the the hiking trail. And you mentioned that you like to hike. Is there a favorite spot here in Arizona that you have already hiked and love going? And is there one that you're like, uh, at some point, hopefully in the spring before it gets too hot, I want to hit that trail? I'd love to try the Superstition Mountains. I haven't been, been there or done that. Last year, we did a couple hikes in Zion. I would say locally... Um, I really like Pinnacle Peak. I think it's quick and easy and pretty. Our family did the uh, Tom's Thumb. Yes, um, I love that year. one. That's a great one, Although too. I slipped and fell, and that's when I went and bought hiking shoes, you know, running trail shoes instead of my my road road shoes. I was like, all righty then. <laughs> I don't want to fall again, although I have. But <laughs> have, have a broken hip. I'm hiking, hiking on a, a brand new hip replacement. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, 10 months in. 
And uh, I'm doing okay on a paddleboard for three hours at a time when it gets uh, warm again. So it's been super fun to say, okay, I'm, I'm going to get beyond this injury and I'm going to be even uh, stronger than before. Good for you. That's yes. great. Do you have a favorite hike? I live in uh, Awatuki area. So South Mountain for mm. me is super easy. In fact, I went hiking with my dog yesterday before work and I couldn't get over how green it was, mm-hmm. even in just a week and a half with, again, all the rain and um, starting to get a little bit warmer. So we're seeing, soon we'll see the wildflowers. But uh, I love our trails that are just within steps from my home or even a three-minute drive. But I do love Tom's Thumb. I yeah. need to go back and do it again and not fall That's next great. time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, good. This has been a pleasure to connect with you. Before we close up our segment today, what is the best way for people to stay in touch with you? And then what is the first step in saying, you know, hey, how, how might this make sense to, to have us get to know each other better to see if, it, if they're uh, wanting to have you come on board and help them out with their sales team? I think the easiest way to connect with me is just on LinkedIn. I just search my under my name and Impact Sales Advisors. And I'm always open to a conversation. As I mentioned, I really want to make sure I connect people. So if I can't help them directly, I want to make sure that I connect them with somebody that I've met recently in my network. And so, yeah, I think LinkedIn uh, message is great and uh, happy to always schedule a call and, and help people as best I can. Excellent. So Impact Sales Advisors, Mark Sutter, our, the founder, and then can we give your email away? Would you prefer we just think, stick with LinkedIn? Email is fine too, yeah. sure. So it's M Sutter, M as in monkey, S-U-T-T-E-R, never do those little, uh, little call outs correctly, at salesacceleration.com. And acceleration is spelled just like it sounds. Wow. Fun to be with you today. I hope that you uh, felt comfortable in sharing a little bit about your success story and, and how you lead teams to success in sales. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Great talking to you. It's great to see you as well. Likewise. Yes, we'll have to stay connected. Yep. You've been listening to Phoenix Business Radio, broadcasting from the Max 6 Entrepreneurial Center right here in Tempe, Arizona. Some media leans left, some lean right, and we lean business. Until next time, I'm Karen Nowicki. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.